welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, what is up, hackers? Welcome back to another episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and I hope you're all having just a, an excellent start to your week despite COVID still plaguing us. Um, but today on the show, we have an awesome guest, one of the leading goaltending coaches in Canada, Memorial Cup champion and WHL coaching veteran, Sean Murray from Performance Goalie Schools based out in Vancouver in Western Canada. And Sean has been a, uh, coaching goalies at the next level for quite some time now, over 20 years. And uh, we had an awesome conversation diving into what it takes to transition to the next level, what young goalies should be working on to get ready to make that jump. And we dive deep in his coaching philosophy as well as some hot takes, uh, some hot take questions that I think you guys are, are really going to enjoy as we dive really deep into. So make sure to stick around for the whole episode. And today we aren't going to serve any ads uh, on, on today's show. And, I, you know, I like to do this occasionally, give you guys a break, you know, just to provide free value for everyone once in a while. So without further ado, let's jump right into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat. Sean and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by this week uh, by one of the leading goaltending coaches in Western Canada, founder and owner of Performance Goalie Schools, Sean Murray. And Sean has been instructing goalies for over 20 years now, starting his coaching career out in 2000 for the South Surrey Eagles in the BCHL, then moving on to work with the Portland Winterhawks for three and a half years from 2002 and eventually moving on to be the goaltending coach for five years from 2006 to 11 for the Vancouver Giants in the WHL, where he managed to notch a Memorial Cup championship with the team in 2007. He's been a CIS coach as well as a consultant to various hockey associations throughout BC and California, and as of recently spent a couple years as the goalie coach with the Prince George Cougars in the WHL as well. He's been a leader in the goaltending community for a long time now, and I couldn't be happier to have him on the show today. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. I am doing great. It's great to talk to you. I know we've been been around uh, each other's circles, but never formally met. So it's nice to talk some goaltending with you on the podcast. Yeah, likewise, man. Right on. Uh, yeah, like you said, you know, I know we haven't really met before, but I'm I'm familiar with your goalie school. It's one of the the biggest schools on the West Coast, and uh, just produces tons of amazing goalies. But uh, we talked about it earlier, and I actually had an opportunity to work with your your partner, Rob Fuchs. Uh, while I was in Surrey back in 2012-13. So awesome to finally meet you and connect, man. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, obviously Rob was, uh, you know, he's always talked about you uh, glowingly. And it's uh, <laughs> nice to, again, once again, to be able to go through and talk some goaltending and some philosophies and how we started and wh why we're here now. Yeah. So how have things kind of been going during COVID with uh, training and, and your goalies? Well, once, once we first got, like, obviously when the COVID break, when there was a, you know, the stop quarantine where you couldn't do anything. And then we first got back, it got, it was very, very busy. Yeah. Um, then it kind of slowed down for a bit because no one really knew, you know, what my junior players, even, you know, the minor hockey and academies, what was going to go. And then obviously now um, it's kind of all over the place. I work for quite a few different junior teams. I, I, I don't work with one anymore, so I consult yeah. with a few. And then obviously I got a lot of academies and zone teams that I really focus on now. And it's, it's kind of all over the place because week to week, you don't really, you're either going to be doing a lot of training or you could be sitting at home waiting for uh, the governor general to give you the okay to get back on the ice. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned these academies. Um, and uh, actually, it's kind of been a, a theme that's been popping up more and more as of recently. All these academies are starting to do them in the U.S. Maybe you can just detail a bit to everybody, like what these academies are, what's what's the development is like there. And, um, you know, because I feel like that's flying under the radar, but slowly growing. And I'd love for you to just share some info on that stuff. It actually really is. I, I for obviously I, I'm very lucky. I get an opportunity. A lot of teams want me to work for them and you know some a lot of whl and junior teams i, I yeah. can't do that anymore i can't work with one team anymore um the academies and the zone teams they're run like junior programs and they're really consistent so it, i'll use the burnaby winter club academy we've been very fortunate we get every week our goaltenders we get to do obviously you know private goalie sessions with each team some will do, be able to do a lot of video and once the season gets going, it, it's run like a, you know, a WHL junior A program. Mm-hmm. So it's really, like, that's why you'll see, I, we, we're very fortunate here. Like I, every single one of our goaltenders that have gone through our academy has moved on to junior hockey. Yeah. Um, with our zone teams, all, um, you know, there's a couple that just came out for, they used to be the Northwest Giants, now the Northwest Hawks. You know, guys like David Tendek, who, you know, was drafted by Arizona. Mm-hmm. Beck Warren, say they were this, actually the same team, just signed with an AHL team in Chicago. Like they're outstanding programs and it's really nice that you don't have to travel as much. I know that was uh, one of the things that was really tough for me all the time. I was here, there and everywhere. And it's nice Mm -hmm. when you can stay home, get good quality training, work with good quality goaltenders. And I love uh, seeing these guys move up the ladder. So it's, it's really rewarding. Yeah. The reason I bring it up too is I, I feel like it has been pretty big, out there on the west coast for for a while now i remember it kind of being a, a thing even back when i was there and it's sort of now made its way over to ontario and even uh, i i played a, obviously a bunch in the states and now it's it's showing up in new england where you're you're getting mm-hmm. all these academies now all these academies where they're more like athletic fo- focus versus school um yeah. is that is that sort of true like how does the curriculum uh, sorry the curriculum did you say that they focus more on athletics than the schools is is that what you, what you asked? I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's, actually, that's no, of the interpretation I know, that I get just from being on the outside, I guess. But maybe from, Actually, no. I know uh, at BWC Academy, if your grades are first and foremost, if your grades aren't up to snuff, you're not on the ice. Yeah. And uh, with the zone team, um, you know, it obviously they do monitor that as well. But we're, we, we consider them as student athletes, not mm. athletes who are students as well. So it's, it's a big park. So a lot of the kids that do, especially the academies, they want to move on to the junior A programs and hopefully have NCAA where I find zone is more of your WHL, but still academics is uh, quite a bit in that. So I guess it really depends on your area, but I know all the teams that I work for um, school is of the utmost. And if they don't, you know, if there's uh, grades drop below a certain point, they're not on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of just wanted to, to bring it up because, uh, mm-hmm. You know, for everybody listening, uh, it's a great option to go. Um, it, is. it leads to a lot of junior opportunities. So for people listening, maybe that's something to dive into. Um, but, you know, I kind of want to jump right into the conversation. And maybe you can just start off by briefly sharing a bit of, you know, your story and your background and sort of how we got to where we are today. Okay. And the big change for me was when I started working with the Vancouver Giants. It was actually, you know, we were quite a good team. I joined the team partway through at, after my Portland Winterhawks season had ended and the Winterhawks did allow me because they knew I was going to work for the Vancouver Giants the following year because Bill Ranford was leaving for the LA Kings. They, they were a very, very good team. So we they, when I first joined the team, they went to the Memorial Cup. They didn't win it. But the following year, 
we obviously had a pretty good squad going in and, you know, the team was getting a lot of attention. So, and then at that time, even Delta Academy was starting to be busy and we were doing ton. I was doing tons and tons of work. So working both as a firefighter and as a goalie coach, I couldn't do both. Yeah. So at that time I had, I, I took a leave from, you know, the fire department and it was very scary because obviously you're leaving a secure job. And at that point, it, you know, obviously it's a little different than it is today where it's tons of training everywhere. It wasn't as big back then. Yeah. So it was the scariest thing I ever did. But it was also the best thing, best decision I've ever made in my life mm-hmm. because obviously now I can fully 100% concentrate on being a goalie coach. And uh, so from there, obviously, we were able to grow our business in many different facets you know, we were able to expand. We, you know, we opened another franchise out in Fraser Valley. Um, Jordan Sigalette, the goaltending coach for the Calgary Flames. He's one of the owners of that. Another guy named Joey Ali. Mm. He's his partner. And everything just kind of built from there. So obviously I worked with the Giants for quite a few years. And, you know, and also too, I always say this to young goaltender coaches. You make, I, I think I've made every mistake in the book. And I try to, you know, learn from people. And the, the key thing in, in goaltending coaching, and if I can say this during this part, it's always be learning. And I know in that area, obviously, because everywhere, you know, as I went, we had really, really, really good success. But the problem is that you, sometimes I, I'll be the first to admit you get a little bit cocky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I was turning down, I, down you know, NHL. I, I did a little work with the Sharks, helped them out. But I was turning down, you know, to be, you know, the assistant goalie coach, right. Or goalie consultant. I usually worked. I wanted to be the big guy, but, and obviously now I know if I could tell people don't do that, work your way up. Right. So that I, I, then I was with the giants for years and then I left in after the 2011 season. And at that point I really realized that's when my game, I think really changed. That's when I really realized you have to improve. So what I did for the next three years is I went around to different parts of the world. I went to Finland, I went to Sweden, I went to Russia. I went to all different areas to learn as much as I could about the sport and about the position. Because at that time, you had a lot of the Euro goaltenders like Kiprasov and Rene was starting to come into form. And these guys were starting to take over. Mm. So I was very fortunate to, to go over there and learn and see their systems. And it was a very humbling experience. So... It was, and then obviously I came back from there and refreshed and re-energized and every year. And now I'm here I am now, and I'm probably the happiest I've ever been as a goaltender coach because I love working with, you know, young, young goalie coaches coming up. I like where I am in my coaching area. I don't work with, I, like I said before, I will not work with one team specifically because I'll, I'll work with a bunch of different teams. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing probably 30 to 30 to 35 lessons a week right now, which is a lot, but you know, it's, uh, it's very fulfilling to me. Yeah. Well, right on, man, maybe we can, maybe we can uh, dive a bit into your coaching philosophy. Um, you know, what are some of the major areas you kind of focus on with your goaltenders and why do you believe in these concepts so much? The big thing with me is it all starts obviously stance and body mechanics. Um, my biggest philosophy and my biggest pet peeve is I see and this is what I did learn when I was over in Europe. They train a goaltender who's just starting. They're working on the same basics as they will when he's in pro. And one of the most one of the most common mistakes is they all oh, just put him in there and shoot some pucks on. Well, no, because what you're doing is you're creating poor muscle memory. Right. 
And I, I know when I get someone who's been with someone who just kind of shoots them and doesn't make any corrections when they're older, it's actually worse than having someone who's never been, been trained before. Because right. now you have to break down the bad habits and the bad muscle memory and retrain that person, get them out of that. So for me, it's all it starts with stance and balance, obviously with your skating, don't get me wrong. And then we teach them body mechanics and hand positioning right away. Once you build the base of a goaltender, then you can move up. But if you have a poor base, just like a house, it's going to fall down and crumble. Yeah. So you got to get the base going, like, you know, all your basic mechanics, your basic shuffles, T-pushes, slides, and then get their stance going. Once you get going on that and your base gets solid, then you can really develop the goaltender and the goaltender can take off at a much higher pace. Yeah. Maybe you can break that down a bit. What is sort of like an ideal stance from head to toe? Okay. Let's start at the head. Your head should be out in front, out in front. Uh, I always say this head between the hands and nose over the stick. Mm. But when you do that, your nose angle should be uh, tipping towards the ice, shoulder tips towards the ice and get your shoulder blades slightly or your shoulders slightly in front of the pads. What this will do is it's going to create forward motion. If you stand straight up, your elbows are going to be on your body. So if you go down, as soon as you drop into your butterfly, what's it going to do? It's going to pull away. Right. You're going to lose tracking. You're going to lose a seal. And your hands are, you're going to create holes within your seam because your arms are going to separate. If you keep your shoulders in front of your pads and your nose down, the term I use, and I'll, you can throw this quote, is straight down. So that way, when you go into your butterfly, you're coming forward, slightly forward, so you're going to eliminate the trajectory lines going into the save. Mm. Your eyes are going to go into the save. You're going to get your seal. You're going to track the puck. And not only that, once you make the save, because you're not pulling away or separating, your recovery is going to be that much faster. Yeah. Why do you think that's so important to have that that head trajectory, all of that kind of tipping over the puck? Why do you think that's so important? It's, it's, just, it's just basic physics. If you uh, if you're pulling away from something, losing your eyes, you're creating a, a scoring line. So if I can take away the line towards a goal, obviously we know the puck's got to come around us. We're eliminating that space. We're going to have to move less. We're going to be able to track the puck. If you track the puck, you're going to be able to have better rebound control. Better rebound control will in turn have uh, create less scoring chances. Less scoring chances equals less shots. Less shots equals less goals. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you mentioned, uh, you know, proper mechanics as well, rebuilding that sort of that subconscious muscle memory. Maybe you can mm-hmm. detail that a bit and, and how you build that out with your goaltenders. Again, it, it's, it's reinforcement all the time. The easiest thing to do as a goalie coach, and I see it all the time, is just to shoot pucks at them. Uh, any top-end goalie coach at the end of any lesson, especially when they're working with younger goaltenders, probably should be pretty mentally drained. Yeah. Um, because if you're not coaching and teaching, you're just a player shooting pucks on them. And and I see that's one of the biggest mistakes I see all the time. We as goalie coaches have a duty when we're out there to improve that goaltender every single which way. And and it's, and it's a lot of repetition, a lot of saying the same stuff, but if you're not setting the hips up, right, if the hips are dropping, kind of like you're sitting in a chair, then when you go, they go into their butterfly, their hips are going to open up, their hands are going to pull away. If you get the hips up and the weight onto the toes of the skates and their shoulder setting, they're going to simplify their game. They're going to move way less, be way more effective and way more balanced. And you have to, you have to be consistent with it. And if you're not, then you're not, then the goaltender is just going to 
more reinforce those bad habits as they prolong doing the exact same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you see, you kind of hear this, uh, this theme of efficiency lately. Um, is that something that you kind of, absolutely? yeah, you, you teach that to your guys as well? hundred percent. Because the, the less you move and the less your body has to move and you're in control, number one, you're going to, you should be able to make more saves that much easier. Cause if you're, if you're moving, when you're making a saves, it's not as easy to catch block steer or, or, or smother. Yeah. So you're simplifying your body mechanics. Um, secondly, obviously, with efficiency, with, whether it's crease management or just going into your save, it's it's all about control. You're not going to put yourself out of position. If you do, if a puck does bounce off you, you're going to have the ability to, you know, reset and maybe make that secondary save where if you're, your hands are back and you're leaning back or you're separate, you're, you're going to create more movements, which in turn is going to slow you down and create holes and, and really not be very effective in your recovery movements. Yeah. 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 I like how you said uh, crease management there. Maybe you can kind of break down that idea a little bit to everybody and what it means to you and, and how you sort of develop crease management with your goalies. Basically we, I break down the ice in a different sectors. Like the one thing, the simplest way for me to, to do it, obviously there's, there's, there's a very complex way, but a kind of layman's term. I always talk about inside the dots, outside the dots. So in the plays, obviously you got your, um, as soon as the play is, is outside the dots in the defensive zone, say like in the circle or below, sit back and read the play. Um, I see goaltenders at the edge of their crease when the puck's in the corner, and there's absolutely zero threat for them to score. Right. So if a play goes into the middle, it, let's say the number one, they're going to be moving a lot more. Secondly, they'll probably have to move into the crease if it's a pass into the slot and probably their position will not be where we want it to be. I always, you know, we talk about depth and position. Position comes first and then you gain your depth after you get your position. Mm. And if you can, when the play is on the outside, if you're reading the blade angle of a player and if the play goes in a slot, you've got a small push, you're at the top of your crease, you've barely moved, you're going to beat the pass. That's another thing I always get my goaltenders to do is to beat the pass. Mm. So if you're efficient in your crease management, you'll always get there before the pass. Yeah. What, like, uh, you know, on the show, we talk a lot about systems and crease management with prior guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think it's so important to sort of compartmentalize the game like that and, and develop triggers around your positioning within the crease? Well, again, we'll go back to efficiency. So especially on power plays, um, let's say I'll use an example on power plays, what I get my, what my goalies to do, where I get them to position. If the play is up top of the umbrella with a D man, his skates are touching. As soon as it moves to the side of the umbrella, I get them to do a small inside edge shuffle. Their stick is touching the, the edge of the first crease and their skates are back. Why that is so important, no matter what movement on this, on the side, on the side, they're all, they're not a T push away. They're a shuffle or an inside edge shuffle away. So their body will always be maintaining score, whether it goes down low, a slap pass to the middle, or even a cross ice pass for the one timer. They can do a long shuffle and beat the pass and be there square without over movement or over rotation. So if you do that and you stay within your means of the crease management, your game is going to be that much simpler. And again, if you're chasing the puck and the player gets the puck as you're still moving, number one, your chances of making the save goes down. If you are lucky enough to make the save, then you're going to be have to, if there's a rebound, you're, you're probably going to overplay the situation and you're going to be scrambling to get back. So the, the efficiency, especially when you're, you know, when you're shorthanded, 
is crucial. So that's one thing we go over a lot. We also get my shooters to look. I always talk about if their stick is in the middle and if they're at the top of the barrel, that's usually the shooter. If the stick is on the outside, okay, he's usually, you know, more of the setup guy He's the, or, or working the systems of the outside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just getting players to understand and read and anticipate the play as well as their crease management will really en- enhance their efficiency in uh, high threat situations. Yeah. Right on, man. I, I love that. Um, and I saw in your bio on your website, you played a bunch of uh, junior hockey before you became a coach. Yeah. Um, when you, when you kind of made that jump to juniors initially, how hard was it transitioning from minor hockey to junior? At- Obviously, I'm, I'm a little older now. It's a little different than it, than it is now. Yeah. Um, like before I was in, you just, you know, obviously you, you go to your camps, you had like the local scouts go. And for me, it wasn't that hard um, for some it is because obviously I was, I was a pretty driven young man. Yeah. But for some, obviously the transition from leaving your house at 16 and moving to a new city is very difficult. Um, my first year I actually had a pretty, pretty bad injury. So I had to come back and, uh, you know, come back at home for two months you know, to recover. So that was pretty difficult because then you, when you go back, I actually got sent down to junior B and, and this is a lesson I always teach a a lot of goaltenders. When you get sent down to a lower league, a lot of goaltenders think they're, they're better than, than they should be. So they don't put as much into it and then they struggle. So you have to have the, I always train my goaltenders now when you, if, if that happens, if you don't make a team or you get sent down, Okay, you can't you can't sit there and blame everyone else. You got to push even harder. And if you have that attitude right. where you go, I'm too good for this, then you're making the team that either a cut you um, and and prove they're right. So you got to make sure when as soon as that happens, just you know to pivot and readjust your attitude and uh, push whatever you can to get back to that um, situation. Yeah. How exactly did you kind of deal with uh, with with that event? I guess at the time. Well, uh, the, the first year, obviously, I, I said it, it wasn't a great year. And then I I did get a mentor, um, so that's actually, and then you know an, an older goaltender, and he really helped me out a lot. And then just kind of refocus, kind of helped me out a little bit in that situation we just talked about, and then it just it just kind of rolled from there. And I was very fortunate, many years, you know. Like my coaches knew I was going to be a coach, yeah. Because obviously, in practice and all that sort of stuff, it just you know, no matter what you did, every time you're on the ice, you know, you give it everything you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And I truly do believe you practice how you play. And you know, did I make mistakes? Hundred percent, I did. Right? It was a it was a different era there. It wasn't as uh, controlled as it is now. But uh, you know, if I could go back, I would do so many different things. What's, uh, what's probably, if you could go back and change one thing or do one thing differently or tell yourself one thing, what would that be? Well, one thing, obviously, I wish that they had is I wish they had the, the coaching that they have today now. Yeah. Um, I know once I started, um, I'd be more attentive to the details. So if there's a goaltender that I, I work with right now, his name is Logan Turness. You'll see him next year. He's got, his, he's got a scholarship to the University of Connecticut. Nice. He has the absolute perfect attitude I've ever seen. And I would actually emulate what he does, even though he's a, an 18 year old man, every, he, he is so everything that he does is for a purpose. 
So he doesn't, every practice he realizes it's not going out there spending your hour, hour 15 to get, he's working on it. He's works on his game every single time. When he makes a mistake, you know, because he's so focused on getting to the next level, he repeats it th- at least three times to make sure he gets it right. So the dedication to the game, if you want to get to the next level, and I've got a few examples I can share with you in a bit, but he's probably the most dedicated goal turner I've ever seen in my life. Now, can everyone do that? You know, it's pretty hard. But obviously, my dedication to the game, my dedication to training um, would obviously both on and off the ice is crucial. And obviously, the big thing now, one of the big changes, and I, I do it now is that I'm older. It's all about what you put into your body and how you, how you treat your body. So I, I'm right now at my age, I'm probably in the best shape of my life. Right on. Why? Because I eat right. I train almost every single day. And I would be doing that more as a younger individual than I did from before. I wish I could go back and do that. And another thing I would be doing, I, I give a, I would have set goals and write my plans down and to try to attain my goals every single year. Yeah. Yeah, well, after playing, uh, you decided to get into coaching and, and you mm-hmm. started off coaching in the, the BCHL for the Celsius Eagles, uh, my old team there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in your opinion, where do goalies from minor hockey struggle with the most when trying to transition to uh, Tier 2 junior hockey? I think one of the biggest problems is when they're coming up, and this is one thing that I do now change, is when you're coming up, it's all about technical abilities. Right? You're working on your technical game. Everyone does that. The higher levels you go, it's more about your tactical, mm. learning how to read and anticipate the play. And so there, a lot of the times, even though they're good athletes, they're chasing the play. So from a game situation, I find that's the biggest transition right. is they, you know, they're over, they're, they're not understanding the game. So I think their understanding of the game at a higher level and a faster pace and learning how to adjust to it is probably the biggest thing The uh, mentally it's, it's obviously when you're putting in with a group of, you know, it could be 16 to 20 years old is where knowing where you fit in and how you fit in and, and what's your role. Yeah. So that's a, a big thing in, in the team situation. Cause if you, if you're a young guy and I, I've seen a lot of really good athletes that are good players and they've always been, you know, like the top player and they come in and they try to be, you know, too cool at the very beginning and they get shunned by the rest of their teammates if i could tell anyone when you come in be humble you know keep your ears open your mouth shut and learn and build respect for your teammates and not and don't puff your chest out right away yeah yeah and i guess for goalies that typically have a much easier time transitioning Mm -hmm. what sort of uh you know what's sort of the underlying theme there the underlying characteristics there that uh, help them make that transition much more smoothly typically well, I think it, it all st- what, what, what some of the easier things is knowing your role uh, and, and being willing to learn. So obviously, when you, once you get into that system, and this is another thing that's really tough. And I always tell my goaltenders this: you might go to a goal, t- um, you might go to a team that has a goaltending coach that has a really, really different philosophy. Um, one thing that I know that I do, and I think it's really, really important for all goaltender coaches out there, is I have a rule. Uh, number one, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to tell you why you're doing it. And you, I want the goaltenders to ask every single question if, that, they, that makes them, why they, if they don't understand it. Yeah. Why? Because if you don't have buy-in from your, from your coaches, and if they can't do that, show you the how and the why and answer every question, 
what does that probably make you think? They probably don't know exactly all the answers that you're trying to get. And I always say to my students, if I can't answer a question and you understand it completely, don't do it. Mm. So, and that's, that's a real, real important aspect because if, when you have the trust um, with, obviously you have someone coaching you and if you don't trust that person, are you going to be very successful or is it going to play with your mind? Yeah. It's going to play with your mind a little bit. So yeah, uh, if there is a, you know, once they, once they went again, once you build that trust and also too, I've, I've helped a lot of coaches too, kind of being the middle person. So that way we all get on the same page. And I think once everyone gets it, that's what's going to make the transition the easiest. And again, is another transition that they should be doing that's going to make it a lot easier is to really take notes and focus on your opposition and look for some traits and watch as much video as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that reading the play is such a huge part of, of making the transition to that next level. How exactly do you kind of detail that to your guys? And, and are there any drills that you specifically work on with them to help develop that? Well, we first we start, we start I think I, I broke on a little bit, like position points. Um, every goaltender is different and how they make save selection is different. But they're, one of the, what I call the rigid areas that I work with is positioning in certain points of where the puck is. Another thing that I get them tired of the read to play is obviously we're, watch, we're looking for we're watching blade angles. The eyes can lie. The blade can't we're, and teach them how to read hips and the blade angles. Right. Once you kind of read kind of different blade angles and setups, the term I like to use is called follow the string. So let's say the play is up top and you see a player that's on the wing and how they kind of move it around. You can almost see a play set up and develop. So once your eyes kind of train and do that, you're almost moving, you know, two, three, sometimes movements ahead. So you know how you're going to position yourself. Right. Another area that I get goaltenders to always focus on is anyone in their zone or within the house area is a threat. So I call them their threats. So wherever that player is in your mind, you're always going to know if the puck goes to there, how am I going to get there and where do I want to get to? And also to what kind of save am I going to make? So when you have that constant thought process and you might think it's, it's overwhelming, it's not because once you do it over and over again, and even when you're on the bench, and, tr- and even if you're watching a hockey game a- on TV and you train yourself over and over to try to read the blade angles, it becomes very easy and the game slows down immensely. So that's a, a big area we work on. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I work on with my goaltenders, especially at the higher levels and the junior levels, we will, we will go over video immensely. We will watch traits and obviously we'll show them, you know, with the body mechanics of the player and their blade angles. And we'll obviously train them how to read from there and we'll just slow it down. We'll do it over and over. So they get that understanding when the hands shift, when the, you know, when the blades open, when the blades close, where it's going to be. So it is kind of a, at the high level, it's a bit of a long process, but once they get it and start building on it, it really brings their game to a different level. Yeah. I like how you kind of detail there, kind of reading the blade and and stuff like that. Um, Maybe you can break down for everybody listening, you know, how you explain the read the shot off the stick and, and sort of, uh, kind of the triggers that you you uh, detail to your guys? Well, obviously, if they have the puck out in front, you're looking more, the guy is going to be, you know, looking to put it a little bit higher. Um, if they're holding it, the blade or the shot blade behind them, it's more of a lower shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of watching where the hands are. If the, if the palm is open, okay, so as they're coming in, I'll say a player, they're going to be, you know, looking to shoot the puck high. 
And another thing that I really always get my goaltenders to focus on is know the strength side of a, of a shooter. For a right-handed shooter, it's obviously the easiest place is to hit that glove side on a you know traditional um, left-hand catch, right-hand blocker goaltender. And a left-hander, they love to shoot right over that blocker pad. So a little tip that I always get my players to, to do is if it's a left-handed shooter coming in, get your left pad to line up with his belly button. Mm. If we go belly button to belly button, when they open up that stick blade, okay, they're going to have that corner. If you have the left, if it's a left-handed shooter and you have your left skate lined up with the belly button, their eyes are going to see shooting across the body. But what you're going to be doing is lining up with the puck right. and vice versa on a right-hander. Yeah. So what I do to kind of train them is I get the other goaltender who's not in the net. So when we line up correctly, they'll see where the player's eyes are and they'll see that far side. So they got to try to shoot across the body because they'll think that's open and you have a much better chance to make that save. And it's also a less accurate shot. So once they learn that understanding and showing them how to set their body up in a pass to get to that area quickly and efficiently, it really helps in uh, making saves a lot simpler and hitting the body most of the chest instead of making that quick reactionary save. Yeah, no, I love that. Great breakdown. Um, and you, you had some tremendous success during your time with uh, the Giants and the WHL, as I mentioned in the intro. Mm -hmm. uh, national Championship, Major Junior Memorial Cup Championship, just awesome, man. Congrats on that. Thank you. Uh, but I want to dive into your championship season. And maybe you can detail to us what you think contributed so much to your goalie success that year. I'm going to use two words, rebound control. Yeah, right on. Okay, that is the biggest thing. Um, I know Don Hay, who's a, the WHL leader. I got to work with Don for many, many years. So Don is a stats nut, <laughs> and uh, which is really good because he really taught me a lot, you know, the importance of stats. And it kind of, you know, everyone's using analytics now. Right. Well, this was a big thing. So obviously in every single goal, we always charted unforced rebounds. And you'd be amazed the year before, 30% of the goals that were scored on our team started from an unforced rebound. Mm. So he goes to me, Sean, we cannot have that. I want this under 20. We were 7%. Wow. At the end of the year. Every single practice, we focus on the simple things, chipping, placing, smother, and having those over, we drilled it over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. You put, you put anything at the net in our goaltenders, uh, Tyson Sexsmith, who is, I think, was one of the most underrated goaltenders in the history of the WHL, <laughs> was absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, his, his dedication to the game, unfortunately, injuries, you know, caused his uh, pro career to stop, and he's still uh, in an ongoing legal battle with the San Jose Sharks. Wow. But he was absolutely incredible. I think the most, even though I've had a lot of goalies make the NHL, the best goaltender I've ever seen in, in many facets of the game. Yeah. Well, maybe obviously, you know, uh, you know, we always, we always like to dive into sort of weekly routine. So you're saying you work on rebound control, just, uh, you know, crazy amount. So what kind of drills are you guys doing? What's sort of your weekly routine uh, to kind of, to, to nail that down and make sure he's ready to go for the weekend. The one thing that, <laughs> that I see, I mean, we, we all have to teach it. Um, I, and I, and I, one thing that I love to do is I love to watch other people coach and just see what they're doing. I learned a lot of things myself when I started, you know, working with a lot of pro goalie coaches and guys mm -hmm. who are, you work, the simplest drills are the most important drills. 
Right. Like sitting in your butterfly. And when they come in, just build, what I like to do is I build them stages. So the first part, they're in their butterfly, quick sticks. And then when they stand up going into your butterfly, then a move, a, a single movement making stick saves. Then we're working, uh, you know, like a lateral slide, working the rebound control and do the same thing with glove and blocker. And then work that same thing into the chest. The meat and potatoes, if you get 30 shots in a game, probably 20 shots are controllable shots. Right. 10 of those shots, you know, are going to be, you know, backdoors or breakaways or, you know, two-on-one situations. But a lot of them are meat and potato shots. So build your base around what you're going to do most and where you can improve your game. So the drill, a lot of the drills, super crazy. And like, they're not Instagram drills, right? (laughs) <laughs> a lot of meat and potatoes, right? So, you know, and pretty much if you watch Instagram right now, everything's RVH this, RVH that. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have to learn. You do have to work that into your program, right? But they're they're doing over half the practice of that when they should be using that for maybe two or three saves a game. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Right? So a lot, a lot of stuff like that. Then obviously we'll, we'll, we'll build in angles. And then we'll build in like a lot of, we did a lot of positional play, like I talked about earlier. So when puck moves to a certain zone, you know, to where they, they should be, you know, um, positioned. Um, Tyson wasn't the biggest guy. So with him with screens, how we should be looking through screens and how we should Mm -hmm. be setting up. So start tall, find the puck. And then if you can settle, settle or stay in your relaxed stance, but making sure your body mechanics and your weight and your hands are over top and keeping your elbows in place so you don't pull away. So a lot of stuff like that and knowing your goaltender and knowing, and obviously you always still work in your strengths, but you're really, really key on the deficiencies in the game and build those to the strengths. Yeah. Yeah. We'll dive a a bit more into into detail in some of those concepts a little later, but diving further into your Memorial cup run, um, you know, those aren't really series style playoffs and are typically kind of short round robins you know, one and done games. Um, but what's some advice that you can give to, or what's some advice that you gave to your goaltenders um, or the tenders, you know, looking over? That's, that's the big thing. If you try to, because there's, so, there was, we, we had, the Memorial Cup was held here in Vancouver that year. And it was, there was, it was a packed house every single night. And it was, you know, it was, you know, front page story in the paper and the news. So it was pretty big. So you try to shield that. And obviously during game day, I know our game day skates, we did the exact same warm up or, you know, like pre-skate. Yeah. 15 minutes only. Right. And again, going back to what we talked about, it was a sim- some simple rebound control stuff, tracking stuff. We'll do- and then we obviously we did some simple video just to go, you know, some pre-scout, um, all that, and then have some fun. Like that's yeah. the one thing. If you, if you get too white and too, too high and too low. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest mistakes that people do because you could be just cruising in a game. You let in a goal and you go, ah, right. It's over. <laughs> and I remember like, you know, and I know David Marcoux uses this too, the five R's we always use. I don't know if you ever heard that before. Have you heard of that? No, I heard it. So as soon as a goal goes in release, there's nothing wrong with being mad. Some people say an explicitive or whatever. The second thing is review. What did I do wrong? How do I change the outcome? Then you just kind of regroup. Okay, puck went in. Okay, refocus. Okay, next shot. Okay, here comes the puck's going to drop. And then the most important thing is to relax. That mm. play is over. Now I'm focused on next shot, next save. K, 
okay, what has happened in the past has happened. And if you can train, and I train my elite goaltenders to do that all the time, keep the same pattern, mm. it makes such a difference, yeah. right? Because if you're still, I, one thing that I always track is when I'm doing my, my goaltender sheets is obviously, let's say the 14 shot goes in. So for, now shot number 14 went, well, shot number 18 and 21 and 24 went in. You mm. know what that tells me? He's still thinking of shot number 14. Mm. So it's very, very important in the 45 seconds from when that goal goes in to, to do those five hours. So that is a, a big thing that, you know, especially at that higher levels for, to, for them to focus on. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's three on O or a dump in from the other side. It's the goal, right? Yeah. What can you do to make, you know, to maybe change that outcome? And if you do that and you learn to build from it and learn on every single goal, you know, you're not going to be uh, dwelling on the last one. Patrick Waugh probably made the biggest mistake years and years ago when he put his, I don't know if some of the listeners will remember, put his glove in the air thinking he got the puck and then Detroit slapped yeah. him. He came back the next game and was outstanding when people thought he would fold. Yeah. That's someone who left the past in the past and focuses on the future. So, you know, I, I like that you're kind of bringing up this concept because I think it's just, you know, uh, hockey is a game that sets everybody up for failure at some point, right? You mm -hmm. let a goal, you get beat on some type of play, um, you know, but how do you kind of, you know, how do you deal with that? I guess, how do you, how do you, how do you move on? How do you turn the page? How do you explain that to your guys? Cause you have this process of the five R's, mm -hmm. but let's say you have a bad night, for example, like Patrick Waugh did there, you know, what's, you know, turning the page is, is just such an important part to be a goaltender, you're not going to have an entirely perfect career, mm -hmm. not even the best in the world, like Carey Price and, and these yep. guys that always have a bad night or something like that. So what's some advice that you have to people to, you know, because there's a lot of students that come to me that they just can't let go of things. So what's some, some advice that you have for them in terms of how, how to let go and just get used to turning the page a little bit better? If you, one thing, I, if, if many of your listeners out there, if they can, if they can, um, videotape a lot of their games or if they have the ability to do that is make highlight packages of yourself do it being really successful right so after a bad game like a really bad game we all have them right it's usually a snowball effect so you got to reset just like you'd reset a computer or anything else you got to kind of reboot reboot the machine yeah so go back and look what makes you successful and then watch maybe if you have the ability to watch that game or even in your mind remember what you did wrong Compare the two, right? Right, and get your get positive thoughts flowing back in your system. Or if we dwell on the negative, and we focus on the negative, or or our deficiencies, guess what's going to happen? You're going to the deficiencies are going to happen. Right. But if you focus on the things that you do well and that you have done well before, and what made you successful, and get back to that, then good things are going to happen. And it also starts from your coaching staff too. If you have a coach that is, you know, they, you know, they might not be happy with you, right? You have a bad game, but if they're like, I was in it working with a team where there was a coach who was the most despicable man. I think I've ever worked with in my entire years of coaching. I don't, in, in my years working with the team, I don't think I heard one positive thing come out of his mouth. Wow. So what does that do to the room? What does that do to the players? Yeah everything's not positive. I mean, there are times when the coach has to come in and lay the, but if, if it's constant negativity, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to wear on the player or, or the athletes around them and, or the staff around them as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, like, obviously I talked about that, but your surroundings too make a big difference For in sure. being able to overcome a, a tough game or situation. 
Yeah. Well, in recent memory, uh, you spent a few seasons with the the Prince George Cougars as well in the WHL yeah. following your stint with the Giants. Um, but overall, you spent close to 10 years coaching at the major junior level. So during your time in the league and, and even your work you do now with, with all your goalies at your school, you know, mm-hmm. where do goalies struggle with the most transitioning either from minor hockey or tier two to the major junior level versus tier two? It, it, it goes back to it's a mental aspect. Yeah. You know, um, like learning how to, you know, adjust to number like the one that the lifestyle, you know, it's now it's more in terms of a job instead of a game. You just go, you know, your parents drop, you know, you're without your parents. And it's it, it, it really sep- if you can separate yourself and set your goals that's and, and challenge and go to your goals and not let the other stuff that can um, happen when you don't have your parents around. If you can control that, you'll be successful. But many can't since they have this freedom that they normally ha- haven't had before. Many can't control that. And that's what, like uh, all my years of not just with the WHL, I've been around junior hockey for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of good, talented players wasted because of their extracurricular activities outside of the arena. Yeah. So learning how to control, you know, balance, you know, their, their hockey and their extracurricular activities and keeping it in balance and without affecting their game. That's one of the biggest things. On the ice, the, the biggest uh, transition is um, you're not with a coach. You're with a coach who's – this is his full-time job to win. Yeah. So not everyone is going to get their equal ice or, you know, he might not be the, the nicest person to you at times because it's his job is on the line if you don't if exactly. you don't produce. And some people, when they get challenged, some people will have a good – you know, they'll push back and have a I'll show you attitude. And yeah. some people will wilt. And it's, you know, it, it, it's finding that th- those who have the, you know, the strong enough character and the willpower to get through. And also, too, if you're an athlete, being able to learn from your mistakes. And the thing that I always try to get my athletes to do is put yourself in the position of the other person. If you were the coach, would you be happy with you? Right. Right. And when you do that, you kind of get to see like, oh, he's not he's picking on me. Well, then you kind of get to see. Where, where they're coming from sometimes and then understand it instead of saying, Oh, per me. Right. So right. that's a big thing. And I, I do so many conversations every single year with goaltenders when they're transitioning from, you know, an Academy or um, zone team, or, you know, even from, you know, a different junior team up to the top higher levels in understanding that point. And again, it's just about, you know, not looking at yourself, but looking at the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the recruiting side of things uh, for major junior, um, you know, what should be, uh, what should be the expectation amongst younger goaltenders and what should they be doing to sort of get more exposure if they're looking to play at the the major junior level one day? Obviously um, I always remember like uh, Ian Gallagher, who's Brendan Gallagher's dad from the Montreal Canadiens always said to me, and there's a quote that always, if you're good, they'll find you. Okay, so he is right to a fact in that, but it also helps if you're with a good program. For sure. Right. And um, I I know today, like a lot of you don't see kids coming out of minor hockey, usually coming from an academy or a zone team. Academies now are huge. They're, you know, they're one of the biggest things that a lot most if you look at the drafts, you know, the Bantam drafts, those are where pretty much where everyone comes from now. Mm. So. 
that is finding a, a good academy or, you know, or a good zone team will really enhance. And then you, you will get obviously some small areas, you know, that don't have that, that will get some, but that's where you're going to get the biggest exposure. And a lot of teams don't have recruiting budgets, you know, to, to go to every single minor hockey game. So they'll have these large tournaments and who are there, usually the top academies and the top teams. Yeah. So those are, that's going to make it the easiest. One thing I will suggest, and it just drives me absolutely nuts. There's a lot of predators out there where you get yeah. these, oh, you can sign up for this, just go, or these, I will <laughs> get your name out there. There yeah. is not one scout I have ever known, and I've been in the business over 20 years, that looks at any of those websites. Not one. Right. So they're taking your money. It looks good when your son's out there and they're right. The, no one looks at it yeah. except for mom and dad. Money grabs like don't don't get sucked into that. Make just you know focus your resources elsewhere because you don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know we've recently developed a new segment on the show, and uh, this is the hot take rapid fire round. So I'm gonna rattle off a bunch of rapid fire questions, and uh, you pick uh, either or out of the two, or if you feel compelled, you can pick something else that that you okay. kind of believe more. If it's kind of midway or situational, it's totally totally up to you. So you good? Yep. All right, here we go. First one is wider neutral stance, talking about foot position. Depends on the size of the goaltender. Uh, if it's a big goaltender, I'm going to go wide. If it's a shorter goaltender, I'm going to go neutral. Mm. Hands protected uh, forward off your body or hands to the side? I'm going to go in more detail. Because your shoulders are over top um, in front of your pads, they still are in front of your elbows are still in front of your body. And they are not lo- – elbows should never be locked in your body because – they will always pull away. Mm. I like active hands. Mm. And then I guess the next question is here. Do you prefer active hands or active calm hands? There you go. If hands <laughs> are locked in the body, you know, again, what my biggest philosophy is rebound control. Yeah. If your hands are locked. Your rebound control is going to lose immensely. Yeah. Straighter curved T pushes. Depending on the situation. Um, obviously, if you're, if you're finding your crease and you're finding an angle, you're going to use a curved. And if it's a, if it's a lateral play, you're gonna just gonna use your straight push. Mm. Uh, upright or, or super crouched back position in your stance. You kind of no, touch. Just point. get your shoulders in front of your pads. However, that's it. So over crouches will do the same thing as being straight up. It'll lock your elbows and they'll pull you away when you're going into your butterfly. Uh, reactive RVH or automatic RVH when the puck's below the goal line. I like when the ooh, if the play is right behind the goal. Again, I think it all depends on the length of the goaltender. If okay. you're a big guy that can go post to post, I like to do the reverse tracking or guys like Bobrovsky and Markstrom can put a post on each. If right. you have that size, I think that's a great simple move for a lot of goaltenders. Um, so for those guys, I would say, um, you know, just drop into it right away. For a shorter goaltender, I would be more reactive. Mm. Uh, should you challenge or stay deep on point shots with traffic? Yes or no? Depends on the situation. I, you, you don't need to – one thing, especially at a high level, you can't over-challenge when the play is in the zone. Right. So that's that's a big thing. Um, so obviously you have to – depending on where the situation – that's that's a tough one because if you get a chance to step out a little bit more and there's no back door and it's you and the shooter mono a mono, yeah. step out. But if there's a – if there's a – you know, a lot of – if there's a lot of back doors or – a lot of, I'd say, sit back a little bit just in case there's a bad rebound. You can recover from it. Uh, should you look under or over through screens? 
just depends on size. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I always usually get my goaltenders to do is start tall. And then if you find it, then try to settle in, keeping your hands in front. Obviously, right. if there's a boatload of traffic in front, you're not the biggest guy, you might have to. But one thing I think is very important too is if you are looking low and going to the side, make sure your head is falling forwards. Your hand, if you look, if you move your body and hope the goaltenders out there listening, if I look straight to the side, now my hands are completely useless because they're locked on my body. But if I look low and I push my body forward kind of lateral and I, I can keep my hands in front, then you're still efficient and you're able to use your hands. Mm. So that's one we could, uh, I do have some videos on that one coming up on my YouTube channel that you will be able to uh, see and make it a little better. We'll include that in the show notes later. Um, do you believe in following your, you touched on it earlier, but do you believe in following your nose to puck? Yes or no? 100%. Now, why do you think that's so important to go nose to puck? You, you see this concept. Uh, coming up recently about trajectory, eye trajectory, head trajectory. If I leave my head on the center line, okay, when, when the puck comes in, I might, as I go down, my hands might open up. And if my hands open up, there's a good chance my palm is going to be first. Right. It could pick there. But if I go down and I let my nose fall to the puck, it lets my shoulders fall in, which will in turn keep my hands out in front. And I'll also have way chance a way better chance of movement with that elbow. Yeah. But if my head stays straight and my shoulders start going back, I'm locking my body and I'm pulling away. So I'm creating trajectory lines underneath the glove and between the V and the elbow and on the other side, right over top the pad and mm -hmm. at the V and the elbow again. But if I let my nose fall to it, I'm going to move my hands way less. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll never have to move my hands more than the length of a stick. And number and your tracking is going to be that much better. Mm. yeah i know love it man i uh, love the detail like i said uh hot takes not, not this i mean we know goalie's just so situational but uh you know it's 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 never black and white but that's why i want to dive into it a little bit what's what's maybe a, a couple things there that that you feel really passionate about other than uh, uh nose to puck and, and eye trajectory uh, I'm, I'm just going to get into the whole training method actually if, if you don't i think that's one of the most important things yeah I, I touched on it earlier. And again, I learned this from when I went, went to Europe and when I was in Finland, especially is as soon as the goaltender puts the pads on from the very beginning to when they're a pro, they should be learning the exact same thing. Mm. So that's something I am so passionate. Nothing drives me crazy more, more insane than when I watch someone out there teaching the goaltenders are making mistake after mistake and there's zero correction. Right. What's the point of being out there? You know, because all you're doing is reinforcing bad habits and poor muscle memory. So it's better even when they're at a young age, you know, which might, you know, everyone says, let's go out there and have fun. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But is it fun letting in 12, 13 goals a game? You know, no. and, and I, I know we, we can kind of joke about it, but that's what's going to happen. No, it's true. Today are so good. Like even at the younger age, you should see these kids shoot when they're even before they're an atom. It is absolutely unbelievable how good they are. And they're torching these poor kids. <laughs> so that's why it is sometimes tough for mm -hmm. goaltenders, for associations to get goaltenders. Yeah. So you have to build that base right from the get-go. If you do not do that, okay, and you get, you know, the dad who played goaltenders in the 1990s or, or and he's teaching the, the, the techniques from back then. 
and not the stuff that's being taught today, all you're doing is making a goaltender worse. You're not helping him at all. So that is a big thing. Make sure that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves and the biggest thing that I stress in every association or anywhere I work with. Make sure you train your the kids that are starting out like you would a pro. Yeah. And if now, you do that, you're gonna you're gonna build that. And I talked about it many times before. Build that base, and everything will go from there. Yeah. Now, I, you know, we always talk. Uh, you, you know, I I, I understand. I totally get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe you can kind of detail to everybody how you sort of walk that line a little bit. You know, of of not being overcorrective, but not being just too nonchalant about everything. You know, walking that line between. You know, like let's say we're in a goal session. Yeah. No, no, that's a good question. I'll, I'll tell you, is keep it simple, right? Yeah. Why would we be teaching a kid who's seven or eight years old the RVH? Right. It's useless for them at that age. Right. Teach them the basics, going into their butterfly, correct? The simple movements that they all have to use, the shuffle, you know, the T glide. Put them on a program where dad throws a ball at them and makes them do a hundred catches a day because kids yeah. don't play, play multi sports. That's one of the biggest deficiencies. I see in today's goaltenders, no one plays multi-sports anymore. They play one. So, you know, if like juggling balls against the wall, you know, stuff like that, getting your eye hand coordination going like stuff, like get them on a bit of a program so they can have some fun. Another thing that I do with young goaltenders is that everyone loves a game. So what I do is I'll do, okay, if you get seven out of 10, that's a C plus. If you get seven and a half, that's a B. You know what I mean? So make it yeah. a little bit of a challenge and some fun for them. doesn't mean you have to go out there and be Hitler, right? You got you know, you to you have these kids got to have some fun. So you do little games like that. So even though, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun and challenging for them and they want to attain that goal. So little things like that will, will really help in, in setting them up and enjoying the game. And another thing for coaches too, this is for in a coaching app, stay in shape. Mm. Nothing I think is worse when you get someone out there. I, for me, to this day, I'm I still wear knee pads out there. I probably do a hundred butterflies a day, and a hundred slides a day. Good for you. Because for me, as a coach, and I, when I was an athlete, I I and I still this when I watch the games. I'm very visual. People yeah. can't take just words and put them in, but if you can show them and break down step by step, and and be able to show them not only just through your word of mouth, but visually, it's going to increase their their learning curve that much faster. Right. And that's what we're, that's what we're on the ice for. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to gamify, uh, make it fun by gamifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not go too far. Just, just ha- have a plan each practice, what you're going to focus on and only do, you know, instead of doing 10 drills and just trying to get through them, do four or five. Right. You do them right. Mm. And take yeah. Them. Uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier that you you work with uh, Vladislav Tretiak, the the Russian who invented the Tretiak kickouts. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the day, my dad was telling me, uh, uh, you know, in the '90s about, oh yeah, you got to do. We would work on it, the Tretiak kickouts. Now it's mm-hmm. it's become a little bit calmer. Like we talk about the idea of efficiency yeah. and coverage, right? Um, but how did that sort of come about? And and maybe you can just dive in your experience. I was, I was in university, and uh, so and then obviously they were coming. So I they were looking obviously I had to do some, they, they were looking for coaches and I was able to uh, get in touch them through, through that. So we started working together and then, you know, I became a master instructor for them and man, it was life changing from seeing how he ran things 
to what the the schools were here back in the day. You didn't get the guys. That, there was no teaching. Guys were just out there screwing around, ripping pucks in these guys. There was no detail. And then when you got to see Vladislav, he's out there in full gear, you know, and everything is regimented. And just seeing how he ran things and it was, and his game, if you watch even from way back and, you know, obviously like in the eighties and he's playing a game that's similar to today with his body mechanics and trajectory. He was so far ahead of the game that it's crazy. So it's just, uh, you know, and he was a really, really good mentor for me. Ian Clark is another mentor for me that I've had the pleasure of learning from who I think is, I think is the best coach in the NHL, you know, because as a goaltender coach, and I'll use Ian Clark now, I'll transfer to him. You never stop learning. And I know every single day, you know, I'm, I'm on the internet trying to find something or I'm watching a game. And if I see something, how do you emulate and put that in a drill or help it in the game? But Trepiak was, was, was life-changing for me. And I, and I used his formula as soon as we started our schools and just kind of built from there. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Cool. Uh, another notable client you you work with as well, I saw, is Martin Jones, yeah. who uh, not long ago went to a Stanley Cup final with the Sharks. But maybe you can just detail to us, you know, what separates Jones from amateur goaltenders and sort of the skills that he possesses that, you know, allow him to be uh, an NHL caliber goalie. Martin is like, I think it's just his demeanor, right? Like he, he never gets too high, never gets too low, right? He's And his efficiency and that and, – and, Guys love to play for him too. So his game is pretty simple. And he, and again, his just hit his dead, even though he's not the loudest guy in the world, yeah. right? The one it's thing hard. that separates him is his number one, his focus and his dedication is people don't, you know, because he doesn't, he's not a really high profile guy, doesn't, you don't see him in line, but he's really dedicated to his crap and his demeanor and his calmness. He doesn't like that's, that's a big, big aspect of his game. And, Another reason why he he was a little bit he he really matured a little bit later than uh, you know a lot of goaltenders do. You'll get some guys who are coming out of the bantam draft or this huge because they're six foot two already, but he was the kind of kind of evolved into it and just kind of and always kept building his game and, and kept learning. Yeah, and I guess for goalies looking to to play in the NHL one day, um, you know, what's a skill that that these guys at the NHL possess, or, or what do you think is the most important skill to develop in your career? that translates well to the NHL one day. You always got to keep evolving. Always. Mm. You know, just like as a goalie as a goalie coach, we always, you know, stress this to my guys, we we can't be cha- doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um one thing that I know the elite goaltenders do and the elite shooters do is I you know, I get to work at a program called Net3 Net360 before where a lot of pros up in, you know, up in Kelowna go. Mm. And they have Shooting coaches, goalie coaches, and everyone combines. So one of the big you get you got to learn from each other. So what a what a shooting coach is teaching, we got to try to counteract it, and they'll do the exact same. What a goalie coach, they're going to try to counteract it as well. Mm. So the game has to keep evolving, and if you got to keep evolving your game and be willing to learn, or else you know with with the day of video, and they're going to find. If, when you go to an NHL scouting report, you'd be shocked at every little detail they have about you. And mm-hmm. if you stay the same and don't evolve your game, they're going to pick you apart. That's why you'll see a lot of goaltenders, their first run through the NHL, they'll do pretty well. Then when they come through again, they got more video, more you know, work on you. They'll pick you apart a little bit more. So again, the evolution of your game, not only on the ice, 
your um, progression off the ice with your, your off ice training. Everything has got to be dedicated toward. If you want to be a professional athlete, you got to be a pro in all aspects on ice, off ice and nutrition. If you can do those things and stay focused on it, you've got a good chance of moving up. If you lose one of those things, you're going to fall off and there's someone else will pass you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can just detail if you don't mind uh, this, you know, you talk about the NHL scouting reports for goalies. Maybe you can just detail like what's on these reports. So what they'll do is like they'll have every area where the goaltender gets scored on. They'll have every, every area where he, um, where the shot was taken. And that's pretty basic. And then they'll have a lot of situational plays. Where Was it a tip that got scored on? Was it from a rebound? They'll have, you name it, every stat that they have. Was it from a two-on-one? How many right-handers will score in them in certain areas where the right-handers will score, where left-handers will score in certain areas? How good are they? How many goals come off a screen or a tip? So every situation and everything possible you can imagine. There's probably about 25 to 30 things on each goaltender. And they, a lot of teams will also do a video of every single goal that that goal that that goalie has let in. And especially they'll have traits for when he is in a shootout. Wow. It's, it's incredible. The, the, the amount of detail. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. It's uh, you know, you gotta, I, I like how you kind of said, uh, and something I've been talking about with, with my students lately is your ability to handle screens and tips at the next level mm-hmm. is such an imperative part of, of the evaluation when those guys are looking at you. Do you think that's true? Oh, hundred percent. You know, and that's uh, the ability to fight through. I know when the, the I'll just use an example. Yeah. Um, last year's playoffs, the Canucks, when they were playing, uh, who was the goaltender from Minnesota that was that came in? Dubnik? No, no, it was the other guy that came in for, for Dubnik. Oh, right? But anyways, there was a big stat where he had, he was one of his biggest deficiencies was screens. Mm. So you could see the Canucks work of that. And eventually it came to fruition. And that was the biggest thing on there. He, he has trouble fighting through screens and will create secondary chances. I think they connect got six or seven goals off that situation. Wow. Right. So, you know, and that's a lot of teams will build on that. So it is, uh, oh, this is really bugging me now. I can't remember this per guy's name, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, that's, that, that's a big thing that, uh, you know, and again, I think it's a goaltender coach's job when, see that is to drill it over and over again find ways that they can improve upon it and really focus on that detail yeah yeah and then uh uh i mean i just you know i'm a smaller guy too and i know that's just a huge part you know a lot of kids were just saying to me like oh yeah this goal went in it was screen it was screen it was tipped it was this and that and and really at the next level that's where majority of goals are scored because goalies are so good right yeah yeah so learning to develop that's just uh Huge. A, a taller or a shorter goaltender, I do like them to use a relaxed stance. So make sure they have an active wrist. Yeah. So one thing that I did, didn't break on, I make sure I use get all my goaltenders to use modern grip now instead of traditional grip. Mm. So the modern grip is something where you have your face and your so your wrist stays bent, and that'll in turn keep your elbow active, which will in turn keep your shoulders forward. So the old traditional grip, grip your with the thumb on the back and the finger in the front. Your hands will always want to ro- slide to the side, right. which will in turn create openings and holes to the corners and right. keep your shoulders back. So blocker placement is a big, big thing and how you hold your blocker because that's where I'd say 90% of your body mechanics mistakes are because your blocker hand wants to roll out and your elbow wants to sit in your body. 
And the sooner mm-hmm. one part of your body sits on, on it, the other part will balance it out and do the same. So we could maybe do that for another show because it's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much to go over, but we're yeah. not uh, beauty. I do have there. a video on my uh, YouTube channel about that though. So you might be able to see that. And yeah, yeah. everybody listening, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll include the, the links to, uh, to Sean's uh, YouTube channel there with performance goaltending. Um, finally here, we're wondering, uh, we're always wondering here on the show, you know, what's sort of your biggest hack that you implement with your goalies that allows them to find an edge on the ice or, you know, some type of technique or drill or exercise, anything that's, that gives them an edge that's helped them find success. I, I work hands nonstop. Yeah. Hands for me is like, uh, I, I'm going to, if I can go back and you'll hear this goaltender, this go- goaltender's name a lot in the upcoming years, his name's Logan Turness. Mm. Um, he plays for the trail smoke eaters right now. He would have been one of the world junior A goaltenders. And like I said, he's going to university of Connecticut next year. He is a phenom and his hands and his ability it, with his body placement is so good. And I, we even had him out with some, a lot of NHL shooters this year, and they couldn't believe how good this kid was. And he's only 18 years old. He's only about six feet, six foot one, but he looks six, three, six, four in there because of the way he uses his body. And it all starts with his, with his hands and his balance. So every day he's juggling every day, he's throwing balls against the wall. He's, and he's, and he's getting people like just to shoot him in his glove, doing the simplest things. And same thing with his blocker. And that, that repetition is he out of all the, I've trained thousands of goaltenders. He is number one of the most, he is the number one, the most dedicated goaltender to his craft I've ever seen. And that is, that's saying a lot, you know, yeah. I've got a lot of good ones out there that really, fo- you know, focus on it. But he's every day he's watching video. He's watching every time he trains, he has he gets his video out there and he he analyzes everything that he does, you know that as well. And we talked about that earlier when you struggle on some. There are days when he gets beat, but we learn from it every time. There's a deficiency in your game, and then just always be learning. And again, if you add all those things up to your hands, always be learning. Dedication of the game, that's the biggest thing I try to reinforce in all my athletes. And the ones who do that are the ones that move on. Well, Sean, you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Um, like I, I'm just going to reiterate all like as a goaltender coach, stay humble. Okay. We can always, we can learn something from a 10 year old kid and always be learning. Um, and when, when you're coaching an athlete, remember what you, every time they they're on the ice, you're not out there just to fill the hour. You're out there to make them better. So make sure that you're, you're paying attention to all the details. And when you see a mistake, correct it. For my goaltenders out there, when you come to the rink, come prepared to work. Um, you know, have an open mind. Don't, again, and showing up to the rink and putting your gear on for an hour doesn't make you better. It's the, one, uh, the most important thing is when you're on the ice is it's not about speed. It's about getting your technique down. And after you get your technique, the speed will come. And if you get, if you just make sure you go, and this goes for coaches and for goaltenders, go out with a purpose and everyone will get better. Well, Coach Murray, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, but I love the passion. You can just, you can just feel the passion. You're- I love the game, man. I love the game. I love it. I lo- and I love seeing the athletes move onwards and upwards. It, nothing makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love bringing coaches on, uh, uh, you know, your career speaks for itself, for yourself, uh, for itself, excuse me. And uh, love bringing coaches on such as yourself. So I know everyone today is going to find just a tremendous amount of value and insight in the conversation. 
um, you know, and how exactly to push their game further and how exactly they can get ready for the next level. So uh, can you just let everybody know where they get in touch with you online? You mentioned your YouTube channel, but where else? Yeah, so just if you just go to uh, Sean Marie Goalie Coach on YouTube, you'll find that on there. Um, and you can find me also, which has got a link to it as well, on Instagram. It is Sean Marie Van PFGS, S-E-A-N-M-U-R-R-A-Y, V-A-N-P-F-G-S. It's an open account. And I'll, I usually put videos on there as well. And it's got the link to my YouTube account. And I will be adding a bunch actually in the next day or two. And we'll be do usually every Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll be adding more videos as we go along. And for any goaltenders out there too, um, I get a lot of, if you have a DM or if you have a question, please feel free on, on any of those forums to uh, contact me. And I guarantee I'll get back to you. Yeah, right on. Go check out Sean Murray. Uh, all the links will be available in the show notes if you guys want to go check him out. Um, him and his goaltenders have experienced a, a tremendous amount of success at the next level. I know him and his guys have a, a very bright future ahead of them going forward. Uh, maybe somewhere down the road we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. It would be my pleasure. Right on, man. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Uh, good luck as, as the season gets underway here. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. All right, thank you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as next week I have another ex-NHL goaltender, ex-NHL goaltending veteran coming on the show, Eddie Lack. And before recently retiring, Eddie, Eddie experienced a pretty significant amount of success in the NHL over the last 10 years. And we dive deep into the biggest takeaways from his journey to the NHL, what truly separates NHL goalies from, from everyone else, and how you can start preparing yourself today to make that transition to the NHL level one day. And Eddie, Eddie is just an incredibly you know nice and, and down-to-earth guy. I loved the conversation. I, I know you guys are going to as well, so make sure to tune back next week without further ado here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the goalie hacks podcast and just as a note here if you enter into this giveaway even if you don't win uh, we select four winners a month and and that includes books uh, different products training products uh, neuro tracker subscriptions we give away all sorts of things we pick four people a month and even if you don't win uh, one month you're always entered into uh, the the future the future giveaway so to enter the giveaway if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.